minister to us in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for your perfect will today. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of you remember the civil rights movement during the 60s? Very turbulent times. And it was especially for black Americans who lived down south because they were subjected to a system that had been established and, and been there for years. And they had begun to get together to protest against the racial injustice, the racial inequalities, segregation, Jim Crow laws, and all those things. And of course, it was very dangerous for them to stand up and protest against these injustices. And many of them would, would gather together in marches and, and demonstrations, peaceful demonstrations, and oftentimes led by the likes of Dr. Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders. And, and many times, some of these um, uh, demonstrations and marches were interrupted by police officers with their dogs and their, their hoes, and many of them were beaten and thrown in jail. And uh, it was a terrible time. But through it all, they still continued to protest. And do you remember the song that they would sing in the midst of all of that turmoil? That's right, exactly. It's a, very, it's a, a song of protest against the racial injustice that they faced. And even though they were thrown into prison and beaten, they still sang that song, We shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Tonight I want to teach you a new song from the Word of God. And it goes like this. We have overcome. We have overcome. Not someday, but yesterday, today, and forever. Tonight I'm going to begin a series on being an overcomer. Tonight, next Wednesday night, and the Wednesday following that. And I think this is a very important message because we need to know that we've overcome. And it's interesting because even though they sang that song, We Shall Overcome, someday, and the reason why they felt someday because they knew because of the opposition that they were facing and the struggle that they faced, a system that had been established and for the longest time and against a people that would not lift that, that system of injustice. So they knew that they would overcome one day. That's why they sang someday. But our song is every day. Amen. Amen. So let's begin and look at 1 John chapter 4. I mean chapter 5, excuse me. And let's begin reading. I'm getting a little echo back here. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, says this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Now, before we get deep into this passage of Scripture, let me first look at the word overcome. What does that word mean? In the Greek, it's the word nikao. And it's interesting because this is where we get the word Nike, that famous name brand. And it's also interesting that the name Nike is actually the name of a Greek goddess of victory, according to Greek mythology. And that word overcome in the Greek means this, to subdue, which means to bring under control or to bring one to their knees. It also means to prevail, to prevail over, which also means to prove more powerful than the opposing forces. It also means to conquer and to be victorious. Now, I want you to pay close attention to these definitions. Then I went to look at Webster's definition because I want to try to squeeze as much definition that I can from this word, as much meaning that I can get. And Webster's defines the word overcome this way, to succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty. It also means to beat, to trounce, to thrash, to vanquish, to overpower, or to overwhelm, to outdo or to outclass, to get the better of or to triumph over. It also means to stand or to be placed on top of any difficulties. The word overcome means to be victorious in the midst of or over in or through whatever the circumstances are that are holding us hostage. So those are very important definitions. And I find that Christians all over would come to church on Sunday morning looking clean, looking sharp, hairs placed nicely, the makeup looked good, and the ties are on straight, the suit looking sharp, shoes are polished, and looking clean, looking good, looking sanctified and holy and, and fire baptized. But behind the facade of what looks good, the people to your right, to your left, behind you and in front of you are facing challenges. A challenge is a difficulty, obstacle, or problem that prevents, that prevents a person from reaching his or her goal. And every one of us face challenges. Every one of us are being held by sin and or life circumstances. Every one of us is dealing with some issue in our lives that we struggle or battle with on a daily basis. When, some, when a robber comes at you and pulls a gun at you and holds you up at gunpoint, wouldn't you say that he's in control? Well, you better think that. That means when he's in control, he can tell you to do whatever he wants you to do and because he's in control, you're going to do exactly what he tells you to do. So if he tells you, give me your wallet, you're not going to stand there and debate with him and discuss the, 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 the fine, exquisite, you know, the way that, that, that how, how expensive that wallet is. You're not going to do that. You're just going to simply take out your wallet and hand it to him. If he says, give me your purse, I don't care how much that purse costs you, you're going to just give it to him. Give me your keys. Give me your jewelry. You're just going to pass it over to him. Why? Because he's in control. Because he's got that gun pointing at you. I find that the devil has been holding up folks and holding them hostage at gunpoint 
for the longest time. And this is what he does. But let me just share you a little secret with you. That gun that the devil's been holding you up all, this, all these years, they've been holding you hostage with that threat. Let me tell you something about that gun. That gun is empty. That means that he's been holding you up all of these years with an empty gun, deceiving you all this time, thinking that he, that he was a threat, thinking that he was going to hurt you with an empty and powerless gun. Let me show you what I mean. Go to Colossians chapter 2. All this time, he's been carrying around that empty gun, flashing it in front of us, and controlling certain areas of our lives because of it. In Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. Beginning in verse 13, says this, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the changes against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this is one I, the part I want you to see. In verse 15, and this way he what? Disarmed the spiritual rulers or, and authorities or the powers and principalities. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So if you've been held all this time by the devil... Holding you hostage, let me just remind you that Jesus has subdued, which means to bring under control or bringing the devil to his knees. Jesus has prevailed and is showing him that he is far greater and far more powerful than the devil in all of the powers and principalities. And this is important that you understand this if we're going to live as an overcomer. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. The title of my message, of course, is right up there. I am an overcomer. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 9, says this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Master, Ruler to the glory of God the Father. Matthew 28, 18 says that all authority has been given to me both in heaven as well as in earth. Now go quickly to Isaiah 54, because I want you to understand that the devil has nothing on you. You may have thought he did, but tonight he's been exposed. Tonight, I want to show you how much of a fraud he's been. In Isaiah 54, verse 17, it says this, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, let me read that to you from the message translation. If you can put that up, Kevin. 
The message translation says it like this. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is, this is what I love. This is what God's servant can expect. And this is what he says. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. And it's interesting where he says the word, the weapons that are formed against us, that word formed literally means to squeeze into shape or to mold into form like a potter shaping or forming clay. That means that there are weapons that are formed against us designed to hurt us. That means that whatever weapon was formed against you may not be the same weapon that's formed against me. But the devil will come up and design a weapon that he knows that he can get you. It could be a weapon called lust. It could be the weapon called worry. It could be the weapon called unforgiveness. It could be a weapon also called fear. But whatever the weapon he designed, no matter how dangerous, how intimidating that weapon is, the scripture says, cannot harm us. And, it, and again, it doesn't matter how many weapons he's manufactured to get us. The Bible says it cannot harm us. It, there's no weapon that has been formed against us that exists anymore. Nothing can hurt us. That's what he's saying here. Glory to God. So because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, any weapon that is designed to hurt you no longer exists. So that's why we can boldly and confidently say, thank the Lord, no weapon, nothing that's formed against me will ever and shall ever prosper. So now that you know that the devil has lied to you, now that he's been exposed, now that you realize that he's been deceiving you all these years, it's time now that we start getting gangster on him. That's right. It's time that we roll up our sleeves, take off my preacher's jacket, take off our wigs, kick off our shoes, cast aside our jewelries, loosen up our tie, take off our suit, and let's get it on. It's time to get it on with the devil. Because he's been messing with us and fooling us and deceiving us all of these years. And now it's time. He's been exposed. You've been lying to me all these years. And now I'm going to. It's time to get it on. This is what it means to be an overcomer. I want you to say this with me. I am, I am an, overcomer. an overcomer. That is a statement of fact. Now. <clears throat> We understand what it means to overcome. But to live successfully as an overcomer, to succeed in overcoming the issues of life, to be able to bring under control or to be placed on top of any difficulties that we face, in order for us to beat, trounce, thrash, overpower, overwhelm, triumph over or get the better of, the first thing we need to do is we need to believe that we are an overcomer. You know, it's one thing to know what it, to, what it means to be an overcomer, but we need to believe that that's who we are. 
Go with me to Romans chapter, <coughs> excuse me. Go back to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 4, and let's read this again. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now John makes it very clear in this verse who is the overcomer. He says in verse 4, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. How many of you here are born-again believers? Praise the Lord. And look what he says in verse 5. Well, the Amplified Version in verse 4 says this. If you can put the Amplified Version up there, Kevin. Is that Kevin back there? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Angela. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 in the Amplified Version says this. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Then in verse 5, he asked the question, not because he didn't know it, but I believe that he wrote this, this question here so that we can understand this truth. He says, who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? How many of you here believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, then... And it goes on to say in, again, let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. Verse 5. Who is it that is victorious over that conquers the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. What fact is that? That Jesus is the Son of God. So every one of you who raised your hand, who are born-again believers and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, makes you an overcomer. Amen. In other words, overcoming power is all over you because that's who you are. Simply because the basis of our being an overcomer is simply believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if that's what you believe, then you are an overcomer. Amen. Say this with me. I am. An overcomer. Now go back to, go one chapter backwards. First John chapter 4. Let's continue looking in the scriptures, seeing what the Bible says about who we are. First John chapter 4. This is one of my favorite verses. In verse 4, he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, it's interesting how John starts out by saying, you are of God, little children, indicating the relationship that we have with him. Then he says this, and because we belong to God as little children, we shall overcome. Is that what it says? Look very carefully. We have overcome. Are you guys awake this, tonight? Yes. Better stay awake. I'm going to throw you another test. It says we have overcome. Now, for this reason, he goes on to say, little children, you are of God, and you have overcome. Then he tells us why. Because 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The word greater in the Greek means large or larger. That means that there's something large on the inside of us that's greater than anything that is outside in the world. That means that we have a big God living inside of us. Glory to God. There's a big God living on the inside of us. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had to call AAA? Almost everyone. One time, uh, I was driving home. I think I was driving from church. It was on a Wednesday night. I know it was at nighttime. And I was driving home in my car. It was several years ago. And um, as I was crossing over the Braga Bridge, and at that time they were doing a lot of construction, so there was down to two lanes. Remember that, Pastor Ray? <laughs> oh, it was terrible. But I've overcome. <laughs> and so there was two lanes, and they blocked off or closed off the, the passing lane. So you see a, a line of, you know, orange cones blocking it off. And so I was on the left side of the lane, and so I was driving, and all of a sudden my car, you know, how the, the battery light comes on. It's, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? And, just, and I just got over the pinnacle of the bridge and on my way down, and my car died. And so I, I couldn't stop in the middle of the road because there were cars behind me, and there was cars next to me, so I couldn't really maneuver and, and get to the next lane. So I had no choice but to get into the far lane that was closed off. But there was not an opening, so I had to just coast on that hill until I finally saw an opening, zipped in there, and my car died there. So I called AAA. And so AAA sent a big truck and pulled up in front of my car, hooked up my car using the winch and pulling it on the large bed. And then I jumped in, into the cab with him, and he drove me all the way to New Bedford and dropping me and my car off in front of my, my house. Cost, cost me some money, but... <laughs> It didn't come without a cost. But here's what I want you to see. When AAA sends a vehicle, it's always big enough to handle whatever problem that has caused your car to get stalled. God sent Jesus to handle whatever problem, no matter how big it is, that's caused our lives to stall. Because Jesus is far bigger than any problem that we face in life. So when we find ourselves dealing with issues, we don't call AAA, we call Triple G. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And there is nothing bigger than the Godhead. Amen? Hallelujah is right. God sent his son because he knew that he was big enough to handle everything that has caused our lives to stall. And he said that the greater one is in us. That's every day. When a person can carry 700 pound weight, then 200 pounds is not a problem for him. Show me a person who can carry a 700-pound weight, and you bring him 200-pound weight or even a 500-pound weight. That's not a problem for him because he can carry far more than that. 
Listen very carefully. On the cross, Jesus lifted the weight of sin of the whole world. For all men, for all time, on Calvary. The weight of sin of the whole world. So the question I have for you is this. How heavy was your problem? And how difficult did you say your, your situation was? Because when we find out that Jesus can carry the weight of the world, how much more can he carry you as far as your problem is concerned? How much do you think he can handle it? Because if he can handle the weight of the world, he can certainly handle your problems and your situations. I'm talking about being, about being an overcomer. So there's no problem too heavy or too large for the risen Christ who has already handled the world. And listen, if Jesus is willing to die for you, then he has no problem helping you to overcome your problems. Are you getting this? Say this with me. I am an overcomer. Let's continue. Go to Romans chapter 8. We know what it is to be an overcomer, but we also must believe that we are an overcomer. In Romans chapter 8, through him we have been made an overcomer. Look in verse 35, where it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul lists 35 of some of the life challenges, which I'm sure he himself had gone through himself. He says tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and so on. You can add your own personal issues on there. But this is my favorite part, verse 37, where he says, Yet in all these things, that also includes all of your own personal issues, all of your personal life challenges. He says we are more than conquerors. And those, those, the most important phrase in that verse is we are more than conquerors. Or we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors. Paul is literally saying to us that instead of believers being a victim in this world, we are to walk as victors. We are to walk like we're above and over whatever situation we face. That's how we need to live. So instead of just barely getting by in life's difficult experiences, and, and, but in, in and through Christ, he's made us to be overwhelmingly a conqueror. So therefore, we and you and I, because we're born-again believers, because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He has empowered us to be more than conquerors in our struggles, being able to overcome every situation that, that we face. And listen, 
one of the things that discourage many Christians is when we're going through certain struggles in life, sometimes it seems like it doesn't end. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it could be years. But yet we're plugging away, struggling along, trying to... And one of the worst things that we can do is fall into a spirit of negativity. Complaining. Getting angry with God. Falling into despair, hopelessness, and doubt. And when, you've, when you find yourself in that place... Could you say that you're an overcomer? Are you acting like an overcomer? No, you're not. So then what do we do? I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But I really kind of felt a, a sense of wanting to share this with you tonight. So what do we do? Well, first of all, remind ourselves that we are overcomers. And no matter how painful or how big your situation is, you've got to believe that you're going to overcome. You're not going to sing, we shall overcome someday. No, you're going to sing, I have overcome today. That's the attitude that you got to have. you got to be gangster. you got to be tough. you got to have that attitude and say, no, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm not going to let this set me back. You just got to keep plugging away. You just got to keep reminding yourself, I am of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. He died for me. He made me an overcomer. Because life will try to ruin your life. Life will challenge you. Life will throw a monkey wrench into your life. But you can't let that set you back. You can't let that cause you to change your focus because understand that that's the devil, that empty gun, trying to intimidate you. But he's already been exposed tonight. Okay, he can't lie to you anymore. So when he stops getting on it with you, you get gangster on him and roll up on him. Get in his face and remind him that you're the conqueror. Amen. The reason why we are much greater than a conqueror is because the greater one lives in us. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Here's another reason why we need to believe that we're overcomers. John 16, 33, Jesus himself says, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. Who overcame the world? Jesus. Notice he didn't say, I shall overcome someday. What kind of Jesus would that be? He says, I have overcome the world. In Colossians 1.18, it says this, And he is the head, he meaning Jesus, of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So Paul says he is the head, Jesus, and we are the body. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says this, Now you, meaning you and I, the church, are the body of Christ and members individually. So if Christ is the head and we are his body, that makes us one with Christ, right? 
The head is not separate from the body. Is your head separate from your body? I mean, sometimes it feels like you left your head at home. But physically, your head is still connected to your body. Is that correct? So if he is the head and we are the body, that makes us one. And the scriptures tells us that when he died, we died with him. It also said that when he was raised, we also were raised with him. It also says that we were seated together in heavenly places with him. So if Jesus says, I have overcome the world, and we are one with him, what does that make us? Overcomers. So when Jesus says, I have overcome the world, he's saying, we have overcome the world. That's why he says, be of good cheer, because we've done it. His victory is our victory. Amen? His conquering is our conquering. So we need to know that you are an overcomer, and you've got to believe it. We've got to have an attitude of an overcomer. Now, why, is, why are so many Christians still struggling? Why is it that even though they know they're an overcomer, they still have a hard time dealing with life's issues? And you know, as a pastor, I hear a lot of issues all the time in my office. And it's my job as a pastor is to give them the word, encourage them, pray with them, and reminding them who they are in Christ. But the moment we go home, we're faced with those issues. I remember going through an issue in my life, and I'm surrounded with godly people. I'm in church. I'm good to go when I'm in church. I'm good to go when I'm in an environment of, of, of Christians and we're singing and praising and listening to the word of God and, and fellowshipping with believers. But man, when I go home, that's a different story. It's like I'm by myself and I'm fighting by myself. And oftentimes it's difficult. But see, here's the thing. The Bible says that we are overcomers. Jesus was referring to our legal status. We are overcomers. We can be married and be unhappy. Right? A person can be married and still be unhappy. Now, if a person is unhappy and married, does that make that person unmarried? No. It just means they're unhappily married. See, their legal document or their legal status is not equal to their experience. Okay. They are married, but they're not acting like they're married. Same way a Christian can be filled with the Holy Ghost and come to church every day and read his Bible, but yet be defeated. So you have a Christian who's defeated, yet he's a Christian, but does that make him an unchristian? No, it just means he's a, a defeated Christian. Our legal status is that we are born of God, that we are conquerors, but we are not experiencing what our legal status states. In other words, the legal status of the fact that a person is married, they're not applying that in their everyday life. And so when a Christian is not 
living and walking and working as an overcomer. It's not that he's not an overcomer because the scripture says he is. That's his legal status. Christ Jesus saved us and made us an overcomer legally. That doesn't change. It's just that our experience is not equal to our legal status as an overcomer. And I wish I could tell you more, but I've got to close right now. So I want to whet your appetite, and we can pick up where we left off. I know it's a little bit early, but i got so much that I want to share with you tonight. Let's pray. And I'm sorry to cut this short for on you. Father, we thank you. I thank you, Father God, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father God, that you've set us free. And Lord, I, I thank you, Lord God, that for reminding us tonight that we are overcomers. Lord, that, that no matter what we face in life, no matter what difficulties come our way, no matter how painful the struggle is, no matter how long we've endured, Father, it doesn't change the fact that you made us overcomers. And so, Father, we thank you that the difficulties, the challenges that we've been facing, we've overcome. Father God, you made it clear that under your watch, <laughs> nothing shall harm us. No weapon formed against us will prosper over us because of who we are. And Father, we pray that you, by your Spirit, continue to remind us every day of our lives. Nothing can knock us down. No, nothing at all can set us apart. Nothing can distract us because of who you made us to be. And so, Father... All I can say is thank you. And thank you for stirring up that spirit of overcoming in us. Thank you, Lord God, that even though our legal status says we are overcomers, that our experience, Father God, follows suit. And that we're overcoming each day. So, Father, we thank you. And we ask, Father God, that everyone here tonight will come away believing and knowing and understanding who they are. And when they leave this place, Father God, that the words that will utter through their mouths, Lord God, will be, I am an overcomer. Father, this is reality. This is a statement of fact. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for raising us above every circumstances that we face in life. And for this, I thank you. I want to ask that all eyes are closed and no one looking around.